Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bible Study Podcast. My name is Travis Polly, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Travis, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing great. It's been a while since you and I have done uh, podcasts. Together. It has since uh, since the last episode that came out. We recorded that kind of as we were going into the holidays. So this is our first one in 2023 that we're recording. Yeah. And, uh, and we, I could do a dad joke and say, "This is the first time I've done a podcast with you all year." <laughs> That's true. Even That's though it's true. only the third or fourth day of the year. That's right. Um, but. We talked the other day, and and we have several questions kind of in the wings. Yeah, and uh, we had one. We're gonna yeah, talk so about today. Peggy, one of our listeners, uh, emailed, and it's not so much a question. I guess it. I guess it was a question. The question was, can you do a session on this? <laughs> and the this is the fact that you brought up practicing gratitude, mm. uh, specifically when we face struggles. Mm. And so she asked if we could do a whole episode on gratitude. And I thought that's a great idea. So let's talk about gratitude because it's something that you've brought up several times on the podcast, but also in our personal conversations. Yeah. And so let's talk about gratitude. What is it? Why is it important kind of a thing? Yeah, you know, I, I really got kind of focused on this concept uh, in the last several years as, um, you know, with all the struggles in the world and all the, you know, the problems that people face just in day-to-day life uh, for all time, um, there's a there's a temptation, I think, to be, and we all have plenty of reason to do it, to hyper-focus on our own particular situations, mm-hmm. on the hardships we go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we live in a world and a culture that really encourages that, you know, mm-hmm. encourages you to see where you've been dealt a bad hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, the worst part about it is sometimes there's some truth to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times there is. And I think about things like anxiety and depression and um, and, and just feeling that you've been done an injustice or uh, these can really make you sort of counterintuitively focus too much on yourself. Mm. And as I was, as I've struggled with, you know, bits and pieces of those things in my life, people in my life, passages in scripture I was reading, they often pointed me to, okay, so what's the opposite of whatever bad direction I'm, I've been going in? What's mm-hmm. the opposite of that? And so many times I came back to gratitude. Mm-hmm. If you're struggling with resentment, what's the opposite of that? Mm-hmm. It's, well, you can, you, you and I have talked about this before, there's, different types of gratitudes I'm sure we'll get into. And maybe the best isn't always comparative gratitude, as I've heard you say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that was like, that was like, that was a good place to start. Yeah. I was like, well, there's only one person who has it the worst. <laughs> and it's probably yeah. not me. Yeah, that's a good point. So reading history, reading scripture, reading about things going on in the world, like, it, it, I think if you have a mindset where you're looking for uh, you're looking for ways to be grateful, mm-hmm. you'll find them. Mm-hmm. And I've found that, again, as an antidote to those things, depression, anxiety, resentment, and the, you know, the hardships that we face, the worries that we face, um, 
gratitude is really a way to center yourself in the present. Mm. And, you know, maybe, maybe so many of the worries and anxieties that we have are often hypotheticals in the future. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's not now. Mm-hmm. What can you take stock of right now? Um, and it, it really, I, I found that the more I do it, the, the less time it takes me to stop and truly find something to be grateful for mm-hmm. and usually find a lot of things. And, uh, and, and I'll, I'll throw it over to you, but my, my last kind of thought I had on that was I've also found that gratitude can point me in the direction of something that needs my attention hmm. um, and or, you know, it will provide a lot of meaning for me. So there's, there's, a, there's a reciprocal relationship mm-hmm. there that, that there's maybe something for me to do. You know, you've, you find people in your life mm. that you're grateful for. Yeah. It's like... You know, have I checked in on? Have I checked in on them lately? You know, a friend that that, that you know, I've 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 let the conversation lapse, or um, or, or or family that just mm-hmm. you know, people that get taken it, taken for granted the most maybe in our lives mm-hmm. sometimes, and, uh, and and stopping and finding that you know I'm really grateful for those people in my life. I'm grateful that God's given me time with them, and mm-hmm. that that can it's been so helpful to point me in the direction of something that needs my attention and and something that that I find a lot of meaning in. Uh, relationships and, and and otherwise, but anyway, that was that's kind of some of my initial. Yeah, great, great thoughts, and thoughts. and I find that this is such an important word and one that that for some reason I think only gets emphasized maybe during the holidays, during yeah. especially during Thanksgiving, because we're focused on focused on being thankful, right. but it's actually such an important concept and one that has become increasingly neglected that in the ancient world was taken for granted. And, mm-hmm. and it's so important. I think the etymology of some of these words really helps us to sort of break it down. So there's so many things that come to my mind when we talk about gratitude. One is just the etymological connection between grace and gratitude. We can kind of hear it even in the English. Uh, but it, even in the Greek, the the Greek word for grace is charis. We would transliterate it C-H-A-R-I-S, charis. Mm. And, and it really means a gift. So grace is a gift. It's something that someone gives. And in the ancient world, especially like a, what we would refer to as like a patron would give a gift. Sometimes that was like the emperor would give some sort of a grace to an entire city. He would build something or would create something for the city. And when a patron, whether that's the emperor or just some wealthy patron, would do something for an individual or would do something for a community or a group of people, that charis, that grace created a, you you use the word reciprocal, it created this type of responsibility Mm -hmm. to reciprocate that grace, to reciprocate that generosity. And so we even use a similar idea in English. It's, again, fallen out of favor, but we used to call saying a prayer before our food saying grace. And so we would say grace because God had shown us grace. And so we would reciprocate that gift with gratitude. And so we would we would show our gratitude for the grace that had been given to us. And that was an expectation. In the ancient world, if someone showed you grace, you were obligated to show them gratitude. So if a wealthy patron was to 
personally give you some sort of a grace mm. was to, I don't know, do something for you that you were incapable of doing for yourself. Because let's say that you or I are just a, a farmer, a, a, a peasant, somebody who doesn't have a lot of means, and a patron is to give us an education or build us something or whatever it is, then we would be obligated for life to that person to show them gratitude. And in fact, one of the words (laughs) that we would reciprocate with would be, in Greek, it would be pistis, which is faith. It's how Mm -hmm. we translate as faith. So when a patron would show someone grace, charis, that, that person would reciprocate with faith, with loyalty, allegiance. And so we can see how grace and faith go together in the New Testament so well that God shows people grace. He gives them this gift of salvation, and they reciprocate that grace with loyalty, with faith, with pistis. And they show their allegiance, their loyalty to the one who has given them this grace. They're not showing faith in order to earn. You can't earn grace. That's what it is. It's a gift. And so God is giving the gift of salvation, and we respond to that gift with gratitude, with faith, with trust, with loyalty, with allegiance. And, And that was so much a part of how the ancient world worked. In the ancient world, the, the wealthy people would show this kind of g- grace towards people, and, and in return, the people to whom they showed grace would respond with gratitude. Now, if you didn't show gratitude, you were known as, in English, we would say an ingrate, mm-hmm. and that means an ungrateful person, right. and there was nothing worse than in the ancient world, than being an ingrate. Like, you could be a murderer, and that wasn't as bad as being an ingrate. Someone that had received grace and responded to that with disloyalty. And so this becomes, it it just is an important part of how society functioned, but especially when we think about our relationship to God, that we owe Him our gratitude. We owe him our thankfulness. We owe him our loyalty, our our pistis, our allegiance, our faithfulness. Um, and so it becomes the, the motivation and the response to everything that we do. In fact, the word um, Eucharist is the way some people refer to the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, and that's a transliteration of the Greek word for gratitude. And so that that idea of eucharisto is showing gratitude. So when we take this meal, the bread and the cup, this is a meal of thanksgiving. It is a meal of gratitude where we are thanking God for his gift of salvation, but not just in sharing the bread and the cup, but in everything that we do, we are to respond to the grace of God with gratitude. Yeah, and... Uh, Speaking of our relationship with God, uh, another thing you made me think of was the fact that I'm, I'm not always very good about this, but one thing I've tried to start doing like with my prayer life is instead of getting right to the asks <laughs> or the concerns and the worries is try to spend as long as I can uh, when I approach God with thanksgiving mm-hmm. and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time I get to the worries and concerns, um, I've often found that uh, my spirit's in a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if I was coming 
concerned or worried about something, uh, oftentimes it starts to fade into the background. Mm -hmm. And I think there, I mean, there's, you know, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily be able to speak to the multi-level, multi-dimensional things that are happening with mm -hmm. gratitude, but I, I have to believe there's spiritual, psychological, mm -hmm. and even physical benefits mm -hmm. to just stopping and realizing what you have. Yeah. And a friend of mine recently, we were talking about this, and he encouraged me to think about thanking God for things he says he's going to do. Hmm. And it kind of connects back to that act of faith, that yeah. idea of like, well, God said he's going, he's coming back. Yeah. God said, you know, my salvation's secure. God said that, you know, the city of God is coming. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's something I want to uh, continue to try to do more of is, mm -hmm. is thanking God for things that they haven't happened yet, mm -hmm. um, but they're underway and they're, mm -hmm. they're on the way. Um, and again, that, that, multidimensional change that it brings just, I mean, again, just selfishly, just mm -hmm. to my being when I'm, when I genuinely choose to be grateful instead of resentful or worried mm -hmm. or anxious. Um, it's, it's a, it's a really powerful. Well, thing. and, and I would say, and I'd push back on the, the word you use selfishly. I know what you mean yeah. by that, but, but I think that sometimes we, we don't, we, we feel sort of bad about admitting right. that, the Christian life makes for the best possible life. Mm. Now, that's not to say that if you're if you're living the Christian life, you you won't have any mental health issues. It's not to say that you won't need counseling. It's not to say you won't need medication. It's not to right. say these things. But I do believe that living in Christ and realizing what we have in Christ makes for the best the best possible human life. That there are psychological, emotional physical benefits yeah. to following Jesus, that it gives us this inner peace. And to yeah. the point yeah. of our tagline, learning to love like Jesus, you cannot love well God or your fellow man when you're living in a state of resentment yeah. or anger or fear or worry, when you're living with those things in a constant state of agitation you cannot love well. I have never loved even my family well when I'm agitated. <laughs> when I'm worried about something, when I'm stirred up in my spirit about some external thing, I don't love my family well. But when I experience shalom from God, peace from God, completeness, when I recognize, you know what, I don't have everything I want, but I have everything that I need. I have everything that I need. I am cared for. I am loved. I am treasured by him. I have a future because of what he's promised me. Then, then in that peace, that peace that passes understanding, I can love my family to, to the fullest extent that I'm capable. I can right. love them well when I have that. And I think you're right. I think that state of peace of mind starts with gratitude, mm -hmm. with recognizing. This is one of the reasons I love the book of Ephesians, because Ephesians is all about Paul's prayer that the church at Ephesus will realize what they have in Christ Jesus, who they are in Christ Jesus, that they will fully embrace, that they will know deep down in their soul, in their spirit, who they are and what they have in Christ. And then that brings out the therefores. <laughs> if you know that this is true, 
if you believe that this is true, that what we have, what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus will do on your behalf, if you believe that you are saved by grace through faith, then you can respond to God in an appropriate way and to your fellow man in an appropriate way. And it really, it creates a wholeness internal wholeness where we recognize that, yes, I may be suffering. Yes, I'm, I may have a lack, but I believe that right. that I have all that I need in Christ and that, that he is going to do. When you were talking about this act of trust and faith, it reminded me of like the first fruit sacrifices. When we say first fruit, sometimes we think that means the best of the harvest. It really means the first of the harvest. Right. It's the expectation that I'm going to give this to God in gratitude. I'm going to take this part of the harvest that is the first of what I've harvested in the expectation that there's going to be more to come. I'm going to take right. the first tomato off of the vine and offer it to God as a sacrifice because I expect this won't be the last tomato on the vine. In some cases, that's like if I'm putting myself in the shoes of like a harvester throughout history and that's almost scarier than yes. just the Terrifying. best. It's like, yes. well, you can give, if you've got a whole lot and you just give the best, that's yes. that's really something. Yeah. But you've got a lot. Yeah. You've got a lot left over. Because you've waited until you've exactly. seen how much you've got. Yeah. That's interesting to think about being the actual first, yes. that it's, no, no, I'm before there's anything else, yes. I'm going to give this yep. in expectation that I'm in a relationship with God where he's going to take care of me. That's yeah. that's that's almost yeah. that's it requires more faith. I, yeah. I've never thought about that. And and you're right that that sort of expectation and gratitude go hand in hand. Yeah. Not just thankful for what Jesus has done for me mm-hmm. or what he is doing for me, but that future hope and expectation of what he will do for me. Not again when we say hope, we don't mean wishful thinking we mean right. confident expectation that we know this is this is the new heavens and new earth that i will inherit this is the the new jerusalem that is coming from god this is the home that i have with him i know that these things are going to be true yeah and that in christ jesus they already are true and and it is bringing gratitude brings that future hope into the present and it it expresses the joy and the thankfulness about the future in the present with this idea that it in Christ it already is a present reality. Ephesians speaks to that. He says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Not we will be. We always talk about going to heaven. Right. In in the eschatological picture that Paul paints for us in Ephesians, it's that we already are there. We are already seated with Christ in the city of God because in Christ, he has already made that a reality. And so embracing that and then living today as if our future hope is already true because it is, that's what it is to have this Christian gratitude that is shaped by by the cross and by the resurrection. Speaking of first fruits, his resurrection is the first fruits of the coming resurrection. So we know that our dead bodies will be raised because his already has been. So we celebrate the resurrection of all of the dead in the present, even though that hasn't happened yet, it's already begun in Christ. 
And so, yeah, that gratitude, it's about taking the past and what God has done and the present, what he is doing, and the future in what he will do and bringing it all right now as sort of a, a accumulation right now in the present and expressing that gratitude to God. You know, I was just thinking maybe the one of the best, most prolific examples of this kind of gratitude we're talking about, I mean, we could spend more than the rest of this time just reading Psalms oh, that sure. are such a great example of yes. this, where it's not just like so many of the Psalms are heartbreaking in the situation that often it's David that's painting, you know, the, the, the enemies he's being pursued by or the mm-hmm. grief that he's going through. Mm-hmm. And yet a constant pattern as he ends it with, but I'm going to praise the Lord anyway. Yes. Look at what he's done to me. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. You know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 you, you never, you never get this idea that he's, even the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's mm-hmm. like, we, we often don't read the rest of that psalm, mm-hmm. um, but you, you never, in totality of the psalms, you never get this idea that David is, or any of the psalmists are uh, actually believing that God has forsaken them, mm-hmm. um, but that it feels that way. Mm-hmm. It, powerful, it, it feels that way really powerfully sometimes, um, but they, they, they constantly go back to the idea of thanking God for what he's done and, and the expectation of what he will do and... Um, I mean, as as a as a as an aid to gratitude, I can't think of anything better than than the Psalms as as even just a way to give words to your yes, own yes. gratitude. I, I think you, you and I have talked about that before that mm-hmm. we don't do that enough. That sometimes mm-hmm. a Psalm, uh, you know, if you're not feeling it yourself, just mm-hmm. read a Psalm. Yeah, uh, read it out loud because um, you know the, there's already been a lot of good words put to uh, mm-hmm. to the to the struggles that we feel, but also. Even just, even if, again, even if you don't feel it, it's like even saying the words mm-hmm. and trying to mean them, it's like that, that, that has power. I, mm-hmm. I truly believe that. And I've, I've certainly experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. The Psalms not only give us the ability to express our emotional response to God, they shape our emotional response mm-hmm. to God. Like and so that. they, as you said, they give us the words to not just express what we're feeling because my feelings are all over the place. Yeah. And, and I need structure that's going to help me to express my current state, but also the state in which I want to dwell, in which I want to be. And so you brought up Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But that psalm ends, like you said, so many people ignore the totality of the psalm. It ends with David looking, with the psalmist looking into the future and seeing a salvation of one afflicted person that is so great, it draws the entire world into praise and thanksgiving. Yeah. Obviously, it has to be the Messiah. Obviously, it has to be this afflicted one, like Isaiah, this, this suffering servant. This afflicted one is rescued by God and brings all of the nations into praise because they all recognize what he has done for that one. (laughs) And it's not something that has already happened, even though I think David or the psalmist expects that he personally will be rescued and that God hasn't abandoned even him, but that God doesn't abandon his people Hmm. at all. God never abandons his people and that he will rescue not just 
this afflicted one, but all the afflicted ones and draw them into praise and thanksgiving. And so it is, the Psalms give us permission to grieve and to mourn. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to be, we don't want to say that gratitude and sorrow or grief are opposed to one another. We can do both. We can express sorrow and injustice and say, this isn't fair or right, and I shouldn't be suffering this way, but God is so good to me, and I know and expect that he has, and he is, and he will rescue me. And and we can hold both of those realities in our hands at the same time. I just want to take a short break from our Bible study to tell you that if you are enjoying this discussion, you might also enjoy my book, Beyond the Verse. You can find the audio version of the book at radicallychristian.com slash audible. That's radicallychristian.com slash audible. And if you're not already an Audible subscriber, you can actually get my book for free when you sign up for a free trial. So go to radicallychristian.com slash audible. Now back to the Bible study. Okay, so we've kind of circled around some different passages as we've talked about this idea of gratitude. Uh, But there's so many passages in the New Testament. And I think sometimes maybe we approach them as problematic. Like I'm thinking, for instance, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says, give thanks, or we could say, be grateful. Be, Be grateful or give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Mm. And I think that I don't know. I would imagine that sometimes when we're suffering, when we're hurting, that idea of giving thanks or someone telling us to be thankful or grateful, yeah, I, I think that could hit different for different people. I think some people might appreciate the reminder to to be grateful. And I think other people might interpret that as permission to or instruction to dismiss the pain or the reality of the situation to pretend like it isn't happening. Um, or other people might might see it as sort of naive um, or, or this instruction to feel a certain way. And I think maybe that might be a good place to start. That this idea that gratitude or thankfulness or giving thanks in all circumstances isn't necessarily about feelings exclusively. You, you hit on that a minute ago about expressing gratitude even when we don't necessarily feel it. Right. And I think we live in a world and a culture and a time that says in order to be authentic, right. we, have to, we have to really embrace the feelings that yeah. we're having at the moment and we can't say or do anything that isn't in line with the way we're feeling at the moment. Right. And I think that we, we need to have a, a better picture of what it means to be thankful or be grateful that I may not always feel that right now, um, but but expressing it in words, that's not to say, it's not to say that we should be inauthentic, but it is to say that it is a good habit and practice and it actually helps to shape our feelings when we oh, yeah. when we begin the habit of reflecting on all the reasons we should be thankful and grateful and then even expressing gratitude for those things then it begins to shape our emotional response the more we we say it and and think it and reflect upon it well yeah something you just said made me think of that that obsession that and I've 
you can see, like you said, you can see this everywhere you turn in our culture, that, that desire to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's an element of pride in there. I know I've seen that in my own uh, past obsession with being authentic or, mm-hmm. or any time that pops up now, that there, there's an element of pridefulness that it's like, well, because I'm feeling this way, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that that's giving yourself a lot of credit mm-hmm. that just because, you know, you, you know, uh, so, so many image, so much imagery in scripture around us being, we're, 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 we're being tossed by the sea. Mm-hmm. It's like, and yet you're you're always in 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 full knowledge and, and you know exactly what's going on you know exactly um, uh, what the actual state of reality is mm-hmm. because even though you're the one that is often admittedly being tossed by the sea by your own emotions mm-hmm. by the things happening around you by the loss that we experience and um, you know from from opportunities to uh, to to people in our lives mm-hmm. and important relationships and um, all of that, and, and that that makes us the final arbiters of how things really are and who's really in control. And mm-hmm. it's like that, there's a lot of pridefulness wrapped yes. up in that, yes. that that desire to to let our own feelings and our own emotions be the be. I mean, essentially, be our god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love the fact that you use the word reality. I think reality yeah. is whenever I read truth in scripture, when I read the word truth. Mm. I, I like to replace it with the word reality because when I think about truth, sometimes that English word truth just conveys like facts, right. like figures, Honesty, like just yeah. words on a page. When I think about reality, I think about something bigger than that, right. something all-encompassing. And we we live in a world, we, we lived in a world for a time where the, the modern world was sort of everything, truth or reality is just the things that we can study in a laboratory. And so reality was scientific. Reality was what, what can be measured, what can be weighed, what can be tested. And now we've sort of moved into a postmodern world where reality is subjective. And as you said, reality is all about how I feel. And so everybody has their own reality. In fact, we even have people saying now all the time, live your own truth. Yeah, my truth. Your yeah. truth, my truth. Where truth or reality is subjective to the individual person. Right. Where I think scripture lands on this is that reality is more than what can be tested. It's more than what can be weighed. It's more than what can be observed. That it's not what the modern world wanted to make it. That there is truth that is hidden truth. But it's not subjective truth. It's not personal truth. It's not personal reality. It is a reality that transcends the the seen world. It is yeah. this is why I love revelation. This is why I love yeah. apocalyptic literature because what an apocalypse is is a revelation, a revealing of reality that goes beyond, transcends what can be seen. And that's what we do when we read scripture is we open our eyes to a transcendent reality that says, yes, what I'm experiencing right now, what can be tested and even even the subjective reality, my emotions, all of these things are real, but there is a reality that goes beyond that, a reality that helps me interpret what can be seen and felt and tested and heard and all of these things that are part of reality. Yes, my emotions are a part of reality. Yes, yeah. um, the gravity is part of reality. All of these things are part of reality. But 
what goes beyond that is what what we know to be true through the gospel, that we have a truth, a reality that transcends what can be seen and even what can be felt. Right. And and that that pushes back against the modernist, but it also pushes back against the postmodernist. It it pushes back against the 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 um the um, subjectivist, mm-hmm. that's a word. Um, but it pushes back against all of that and says, yes, yes, I need to take into account my emotions. Yes, I need to take into account what I can see and what I feel and right. what can be heard and experienced. But there's a truth that is beyond all of that, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And then that shapes how I how I interpret what I can see and what I feel. When I make my feelings or what I can test in a laboratory the totality of truth, well, we're missing out on so much more than that. Um, and again, like you said, to make my feelings or my emotions the totality of truth is incredibly prideful. And and I don't even know, I can't even, I can't even subjectively relate to that. And I tell people all the time, my feelings are all over the map. I don't know who these people are that think that they have one subjective truth, that they have one subjective feeling that's their guide. You know, let your heart be your guide. I'm like, which heart? Like, because one day I have a heart that says this. I always say, one day I want to be skinny and the next day I want to eat a gallon of ice cream. Mm -hmm. I mean, my feelings are all over the map. We have to have a true north, something to look to and for Christians, it's the cross of Jesus Christ, the cross, the resurrection, the gospel. This is our truth. This is our reality by which we shape and mold our lives, what makes us grateful for who we are, what we have, and what we will have in Christ Jesus. And then everything else is a response to that. So we're not denying what can be tested in a laboratory or what is felt in our heart, but we're just saying that's not the totality of truth. And all of those things have to be weighed against or tested against or examined against the gospel. You know, you, I, I feel like I bring this up all the time, but you made me think of it again in Second Kings chapter 6 when Elisha servant are, 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 are worried and scared. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, says, alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha says, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are against them. And he appeals, he prays to God to yes. open his eyes and they see, you know, the angel army mm-hmm. all around them. And I think about that. And, um, I've recently in the last couple of years, conversations you and I have had, uh, our friend Barrett Bingham and I have had, um, about, having faith in the spiritual realm and that idea that there is literally more going on around us than meets the eye. And so I was thinking about one of the things you said that made me think of this was I was, I was wondering why we struggle with Paul's encouragement, not Mm -hmm. just in that first Thessalonians five passage we read, but throughout his letters, he Mm -hmm. often goes back to give thanks in all circumstances, rejoice in the Lord always. It's like, how do, how do we do that? Mm -hmm. And I think remembering that I I don't know why this is happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm going through this mm-hmm. uh, when it's something really hard. I mean, I, I know I've known people that have gone through horrible things, and on the other side of it, they say, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they, they and maybe they say that well, they got through it. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, but they learned something. They picked something up along the way. They something was revealed to them, or the relationships became more important. Mm -hmm. There, you know, I, I've certainly experienced versions of that in my life. But um, again, that idea of that there's a lot going on, maybe in the spiritual realm, mm -hmm. maybe just what God's working out in my own heart, mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe this. As, as hard as it is to remember, maybe this suffering, mm -hmm. maybe this hardship is is the is the, the the fire that I need to be molded into something new, mm -hmm. um, something that is more praiseworthy, something that 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 can turn my life into better worship to, mm -hmm. to God and 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 allow me to be a better Christian, a better friend, a better mm -hmm. son, a better yeah, everything, mm -hmm. you know and. Again, as hard as that is to remember, I, I definitely am encouraged by thinking about the unseen realm, about mm -hmm. about the, the the spiritual forces that I, I don't know why this is happening, yep. um, but but not trusting think, in my own feelings all the time. And I think even that phrase, like, why is this happening? I mean, I think sometimes the answer is because we live in a broken world, yeah. because our world has not yet been redeemed from its 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 decay, from its slavery to corruption. This is what Romans 8 says. Romans 8 is so powerful on this point because even in that context, he says, we don't know what to pray for. Mm. The Spirit, though, intercedes for us with these groanings that are too deep for words. The Spirit is interceding for us because we don't even know what to pray for. All Everything around us is subject to decay and corruption. And that's part of why we experience all of the, this pain and suffering. But through it all, the end of Romans 8 is that neither death nor life nor things present nor things future, all of these things, none of this can separate us from the love of Christ, the, the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And then he says that God is able to to work all things together for good for those who love the Lord and are called yeah. according to his purpose. So why, let's say somebody today is being drugged out of their place of worship and beaten because they're a follower of Jesus. Why is that happening? Sin. Like God didn't yeah. make that happen. It's mm -hmm. happening because of sin. But is God able to work in that situation to bring about good, to bring something good from that horrible, senseless act of injustice and violence? Yes. And believing that, trusting that God is at work, that God is present, that God is doing and redeeming and working in every situation, that's an incredibly powerful way to focus your mind and your heart and to give thanks in spite of the fact that Evil really is evil. We're not saying yeah. evil is actually good in disguise. Evil is actually evil. Bad is actually bad. But God is able to bring good from actual bad things. I think all the time about Joseph saying to his brothers when they threw him in the pit, sold him off into slavery, he said, you meant it for evil. He doesn't say, well, you, you just didn't understand the situation. No, you meant it for evil. It was actually evil. But God meant it for good. He was able to use that situation and work providentially to bring about the salvation of no telling how many people. And Joseph gives thanks for the evil that was done to him because he knew that God meant it for good. And if we can sort of put those, like Elisha's servant, put those eyes of faith on where we can yeah. look beyond what is seen and trust that God is doing good. 
God is at work and God is bringing about good even in the worst situations. It's not that we're, it's not that I'm giving thanks for the cancer itself. I hate cancer. I hate, I, I despise cancer. I, I want cancer to go away and be gone from God's good creation. But if tomorrow I get a call that says I, I have cancer, I'm going to be grateful because I know that God is going to work in that situation. It doesn't mean I'm not going to weep. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to shake my fist at cancer and, and death and all the horrible things. But it means that I, I believe that we can find ways to be grateful to God because we know that there's more going on than what we can see and that God is going to bring about good in every situation for us and for the people around us. I think that's what this kind of gratitude is all about. Thank you so much for being part of the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast today. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I want to give a special thanks to Travis Pauly and to our McDermott Road Church family for making this podcast possible. As always, we love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.